village to raise a child Wisdom to make the man Substance for some style Dreams to make a plan The bob and weave life God city native son Richard Wright brother Elevating with every drum No wine and cheese type True straw flannel grunge Waste very little There's nourishment in every crumb Body snatch past slave Boot the country rag Rascal with jasmine dad Side street scallywag Do rag ghetto flag For the modern pack Poison our similax Still look we pay it back Occupy my clandestine design Turn water into wine Drunk the Kool-Aid sweet talk Get some line Light a rain little shine Just those signs of these times. It be the sign of the times, y'all. The sign of the times, y'all. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Question of the Day. Uh, this is M. Tume. Doing this little intro because uh, Conchita and I started mid-conversation uh, pressing record. And uh, we didn't actually do an intro, so I wanted to give a little proper intro to everyone. And to let you know, I know the intro's a little different this time, and you'll kind of understand why, uh, how we're going to do the intro and outro today. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to pop right into the conversation and let y'all experience. Peace. So we were talking about how today is a a big event for you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's like personally, you know, in the in the grand scheme of the world, it probably isn't that big of a deal. But for me, it actually, it's good to get something done. Uh, I'm sorry to stop speaking vague, but uh, uh, or to keep speaking vague. But um, I uh, about like ten years ago, I had a project. I was living in people who don't know. I I used to live in Spain, in Barcelona, and I played with a in a band there with my good friend Mark Aisa. Um, and some other really, all of them are really my really good friends. And, um, I started another project myself called Grand Mixer that was comprised of my homie Mark. Um, he's a drummer and my homie Tom Warburton. He's a, a bassist and, you know, and multi-instrumentalist. And we started a project that I kind of like led produce and it was like my, my, it was like my baby and it was a thing that I was developing and I worked on it pretty hard for about a year. Then I left Spain uh, for a myriad of reasons. And like the project kind of like, like sat. <laughs> and then I went through like life. And uh, I, I didn't. And, and I mean, like years and years of life. And then uh, but COVID has been interesting because COVID has like encouraged me to like close some chapters. And um, as I've been working on a lot more music again, I, fi- I figured that I really couldn't move forward with like music till I finished that so I did and like majority of it was done but like I had well done in the in in, in the composition and writing stages um but then I I did I did record a couple of songs like like vocals uh which are which are which are pretty recent and then uh I called my homie uh Willie Green who did who did the mix of it which is phenomenal he did some phenomenal work hire that guy people and uh but yeah you know and it's out today. I mean, when when y'all hear this, it'll have been out, but uh, you, but you can still get it. And uh, yeah, but uh, I put it out today, and yeah, it's a it's a liberating experience, you know. In this, you know, in 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 an age also, because like when I made that record, I think part of the reason why I didn't finish that record was, um, this is like 2011, and you're still kind of in that midpoint. I don't know if people really remember like that midpoint of like physical releases and like digital releases. Like Kachita, like mm. Kachita, like tell me if you agree. I feel like back then people still didn't trust digital releases unless it was iTunes. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like a Spotify, I don't. Spotify real still wasn't. Spotify was big in Spain. You know that Spotify was like actually was in Spain long before it was in in uh in the U.S. Yeah, isn't it a U.K. company? Yeah, it was in. I don't know if it was all through Europe, but I know definitely like in Spain and the Mediterranean, they were all about Spotify. Like that's all I would hear, Spotify, 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 Spotify. And then like when I got to the U.S., I was like this Spotify thing. I was like, well, I've been hearing about that for like three years. But people didn't trust. Yeah. But people didn't trust digital stuff. So like I was like, I gotta go press up a CD. Yeah. It just <laughs> and and Conchita. I don't for people who don't know, Conchita's a wonderful musician herself. Who's put out how many records did you put out? Three. Three. Total. Three albums, and you know, the pressing of the CD, all of that stuff. And it's easier. It's different now. I'm not say it's easier. It's different now because like no one really wants to buy a cd anymore yeah and i really i hated that process oh me too to be honest because you know there was and i know people who who you know have really pivoted to pressing to releasing digitally and pressing vinyl like a limited edition or limited um number of records or even cassettes or even cassettes i'm seeing people or even cassettes Yeah. yeah And and so it's it becomes more of like an art yeah. project versus just you know pressing CDs just for the sake of not for the sake of it but just for because you have to. Um, and I just I just hated that process the whole yeah. CD thing. I think, and that's it's, that's actually what I wanted to talk about with you today. I wanted to ask you, you know, how has money impacted your artistic process and in, in personally and also generally. How do you think it, it impacts the artistic process? Knowing like where you were at when you started this record and kind of where we're at now that you've released it. I'm gonna have like a really like negative response. It's so bad. Uh. I'm gonna have like that downer <laughs> response and, and I need you to I need you to I need you to I need to feel if you agree with me because I have a feeling you might. I feel like money has made me quit more things. Oh, <laughs> It's just 100%. It's just made me quit. It's just made me not do things like um, and I I can think of like several instances. So people who don't know me uh, well, um, you know, my original kind of artistic pathway was I was I was an actor. I was an actor um, and I've been acting since I was like a teen and I went to college for acting and all that stuff. And you know, when I got out of college, my life was basically like hitting the pavement for auditions and, you know, auditioning for 90% of the time projects I did not like. Mm-hmm. That I, and that, but I, and I was doing it because I wanted to pay my bills because I hate working. Um, well, let me, let me, let me phrase it. I don't hate working. <laughs> I hate working <laughs> meaningless jobs. Like I don't like labor. Yes. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't, and it's not, crapping on anyone who likes doing labor it's just me i'm an artist i'm an expressive person i i I, you know i now teach i love teaching i i i i I work tirelessly so you know i do have things but i don't consider it work it is going to work but i don't consider it labor in the sense of that i'm doing something that i don't want to do that i'm forced to do to make money well there are some things you know like paperwork but it's all the conversation um (laughs) but i digress but yeah, like I stopped acting because I was like using my talent 
to just pay my bills. I never like, I never was, I was, oh, not never. I hardly ever did projects that I was attached. I, I was emotionally attached to. I wasn't into the whole like, so actors say things like, and I get it. And I, I, I couldn't really get with this. I knew an actress um, and she said, well, auditions are, are is where I go to express myself. And I was like, Nah, I'm good. I can't do that. Like, because like <laughs> half the time, you know, auditions are, you know, I'm dealing with racist casting directors mm-hmm. or just this kind of system of, of of how the whole thing works. That's just kind of not even kind of which is just really you know, nasty and and, 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 and oppressive to, to, to people. And then like, you know, you're on a film. Yeah, I have a cool role, but the movie sucks. I'd rather be in a movie where like no one really remembers my role, but they remember the movie, and they say the cast was great and the film was great, rather than like mm-hmm. you were really good in this really crappy movie. Like I, I had uh, that happen, and I don't really care for yeah. that. Like it doesn't really do much for me, you know. So, yeah. um, I stopped acting because like I felt like I was cheating myself emotionally, and I was really doing hip hop by that point. So then hip hop was like I. I'm going to do an art form that I enjoy. But then where that got complicated was when it once again started paying my bills. Like I was a, I was a, a full-time musician for like, like two years, well, even like three years. And it was, it but was did rough. you enjoy a part of it? I mean, like when you lived in Spain and yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, I liked, I, I always liked playing. I do miss playing. Well, no, 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 no. This might get some people angry and you, you, I, I want, I want you to chime in Conchita on this. Like <laughs> I liked playing certain gigs and not just mm-hmm. like places. It was also like forms. Like I'll be real with you. Mm-hmm. I got tired of hip hop gigs after a while, like hip hop. Cause I, you know, I started playing jazz gigs mm-hmm. and like, Hip-hop gigs are typically this, 15, 20, 25 minutes at most, sometimes 10 minutes. You do a couple songs and you be out. And trust me, mm-hmm. you get me wrong, I've seen people, like, do legendary shit in 15 minutes. And, like, it's amazing. But there's a way that that systemically becomes, like, a – it's almost like the review model of, like, the 50s, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. the, old, in, in the Richie Valens. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we were watching La Bamba the other day, so that's why, I, that's why I thought about it. The Richie Valens, uh, Jackie Wilson era, right. right, where you go and you do two songs or one song and, and then mm-hmm. you're out. It's like the mm-hmm. review era, but it's the review era with, 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 without the perks. Like they don't pay they don't pay for you well. They don't treat you good and things like that. You kind of run in there and you run out, right? Mm-hmm. And – when I started playing with jazz musicians, I started playing with Mark. Um, we're doing like two and a half hour sets. You know, we're really... And there's improv. There's and- improv. There's like highs and lows and buildings. And that's kind of why I built the band Grand Mixer because like I still liked samples and wanted to do all that stuff. And then, and then at that point, the technology was really growing with like Ableton and all that. So you were able to really blend. So we were doing shows like that. We were capable to like rock an hour and a half um gigs with electronic and live instrumentation right. and like and not just like jam band shit because that's like that, that becomes the other stuff i become like hip-hop jam band and i don't really like hip-hop jam bands like boom, 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 we're gonna play a beat and just rap <laughs> yeah. no, that's corny. It's, it's, it's cute I'm, I'm i'm done with it I, I, I can't really mess with that so i liked when it was good but um mm-hmm. touring takes a toll i definitely asked myself a question like do i want to tour for the rest of my life and then also, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a side man. 
or side person. So I always had to be the lead of the band. Granted, I was in a I was in a rare occasion where I was actually a a, a support for a couple of other people's bands like Mark. Like you don't find a lot of rappers who who do that. Like I was in Mark's band. I played with this cat named Dana Leong. Shout out to Dana. You know what I'm saying? Like I had a couple of gigs like that, which was kind of rare. But I was also at their mercy. When you're a guitarist, you know you can pick up gigs if you you know if if you're lucky for your life. Forget you're a drummer. But if or a backup singer, right? If you want to do that, I, I have some friends who are like pro backup singers, you know. But like a rapper, nah, man. Like I had to always be the lead of everything, so I got tired, and I was like, I gotta make money yeah. doing this. I gotta yeah. like find this, and I was like, you know what, man? Like, I, there's no way that's gonna happen, and I, um, and then I stopped rapping. <laughs> I yeah, stopped, I, I stopped rapping because of money. Like I straight up, I'll right. be real with you, and then you know. And now in movies, and I, 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 I'll throw it back to you, movies, the only thing I don't like about it is raising money. Ugh. It's the only thing I don't like about it. That's the thing. I think, I think the whole money thing is what made me really fall out of love with doing the, doing the actual thing that I love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I, it was, I know for, I just got bored of the, of the same like format of having a band and like singing the same songs and the same structures. I just wanted to do something different and I couldn't afford to do that live. You know, afford. Like, I was able to That's do it the in the studio word, because it was <laughs> right. I, in the studio, I was able to do it because it's a control, you know, it's like you're recording for a certain set of hours and you know, this, this is how much it's going to cost. And, you know, but when you're, you know, when you're trying to build, I guess you're, audience and you have to play out and you have to be the lead as a songwriter and vocalist and it it just I didn't enjoy it I I so much preferred the studio and and I just couldn't bring that you know the last album that I worked on was you know I really wanted epic arrangements so I had strings and horns and like all these things that I really really wanted to do but I couldn't I couldn't translate that to a sustainable live format because it's just too expensive to hire that many session musicians for uh, a gig. Yeah. And knowing that you're probably not going to recoup that money, you know. Um, were you against, were you against like doing some of it like pre-recorded? Like have, have who you could have. And then like, like say like an Ableton thing where you had like, maybe like your horn section would be pre-recorded, but maybe your drummer was live. Were you against that? Or did you want to, Kind of. It's, kind it's totally of. Because, fine, yeah. Yeah, I think because, you know, I mean, I studied music in college and, like, one of the things that I really loved was live orchestration. Yeah. I think that's that's one of the most... Hearing it I in mean, the room, me, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. In a good room and not just, yeah. like, some shitty venue, right, where the acoustics suck and it just, like, mm-hmm. sucks the, the, you know, the sound. Yeah. And so all of those things just made me feel like, ah, I don't want to do this. Like, if it's not... And maybe it's one of those situations where it's like, is it the, you know, be, the perfect being the enemy of the good? You know, like, I, I don't know. But I just felt like I just lost steam for it. Yeah. And I was like, if it can't be this thing that I have in mind, then I just don't want to do it. Oof. <laughs> no, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. It's like, depressing. No, it's not depressing. <laughs> I, I, it, I mean, it's, you know, it is depressing. But it's, um, <laughs> I think it's real because... The thing that it makes me wonder, so it's funny, I was, um, you know, I'm like, 
I try to like not buy new things, like buy new like plugins or things like that. But I, I go down rabbit holes. So I've actually been taking uh, piano lessons with uh oh yeah I've been taking piano with with my homie Yako with Yako. Nice. Shout out to Yako Yako four forty the homie. Um and um so I had to buy a sustain pedal for I was just playing with playing with stuff. We were just talking about stuff. So I was I was ordering myself a sustain pedal. So I I went on this like rabbit hole. You know, and like looking at stuff, I go on YouTube, and there was this woman, uh, who's like she has these like pop music covers, and she's like this like one woman band, right? She has like the Ableton APC four, and she has all these like devices, and it's funny. Someone said wrote in the in the YouTube comments, what what planet did you come from, and how is this <laughs> ship? You know, how did you con- construct this alien ship? Right? It looks like an alien like council. <laughs> And it's impressive. I mean, I don't. I wasn't really into the music. The music was too poppy for me. But it was right. impressive. She could do everything. She was like you know, tapping the drums out, playing the keys, and then it made it. And then it hit me. I was like, in a in a like impressed kind of way, but also in a sad kind of way, where I was like, well, this mm-hmm. woman definitely can exist in this era because she can do pretty much everything herself. Mm-hmm. She has the ability mm-hmm. to play a drum track, play, play keys, you know, play some melodies. She knows mm-hmm. how to trigger everything. She can sing, right? She's, she's doing everything. She's using vocal processing. So it sounds like it's almost like a studio experience live. You know, she's really talented in that way. But what about someone like you not saying who couldn't do that, but like, does not want to like, is music now becoming relegated to this thing where you have to do it in this, one person live electronic you know one person band thing and that got me kind of sad where i was like everything is going to be is everything going to be this right you know right where it's it's, it's, it makes it easier to to not easier i won't say easier because because there's still a lot of skill involved involved in doing that but i i just for, for me so much of the enjoyment is is being in a live room and creating together with other musicians and feeding off of that. Yeah. And I love that. And I, yeah. I don't, I find it to be very lonely to do things on, on your own. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Like, you know, like I, I got pretty, I did a couple of sets um, myself with Ableton and having everything, you know, in like the, you know, um, people who don't know music uh, really well. Um, uh, Ableton Live is this program that's really well known for being the program that like makes it feel live, right? It's the closest thing to live playing from an electronic program, right? Like Pro Tools, you couldn't play live, right? You know, it's just, it's, it's for recording what happened, right? But L- Ableton's supposed to have this factor where you can play it live, and so you can do things within the program to make it feel that way. So I I, I did a couple of sets like that, and it's funny, I did have a thought. I said, well, you know what I'm too, man? Like, I could, like, lock myself for six months in my room and here in Spain, like, really perfect it, and, like, I could make this my life. But then I got really scary. I got really scary. I didn't know if I wanted to do that with my life. And that's where, like, I felt like I, I, I hit a precipice right. of touring because I was like, well, either I make a band, right, but then I have to be responsible for two other people, right, or do we do this as a th- as a as a trio, and then that brings up a whole other you know set of things of like you know 
is the music that is it gonna be the music that everyone's happy with making? Am I re- am I ready mm-hmm. to give that up? So then I was like, maybe I just mm-hmm. do it myself. But then I'm gonna have this one per- and some people do that. Like there's artists who do this mm-hmm. one one person band thing, and like I wasn't really up for it, and and it kind of made me sad. Like it made me it made me a little no a lot of um of 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 of. of discouraged like you i couldn't i wanted to have the blend i wanted when when tom mark and myself would play the three of us and maybe i was able to bring in like a dj to do some some cuts it was perfect but i knew sustaining that in this you know in this climate of how art is was gonna be really hard and i didn't know if that was possible yeah and i think i think you said something interesting in the in the interview that we just posted on the website, um, when we talked about film and capitalism, you said something about how um, the way you make your art um, and the resources you have actually feeds into your ideology of making it. And I think that's I think that's really I think that's true, um, especially for the times we live in right now, where people are you know trying to do it all themselves. And I mean, how do you think that's that's largely affected art in general? Well, I think, um, like, okay. So when I was in theater school, I was, you know, I was always, people who know me, I was always a bit of a rebel and I was always like fighting and, you know, arguing, especially in in college, my college years. Uh, But something that was interesting was I really got into a guy named Jerzy Grotowski, right? Grotowski is a Polish theater director, um, 50s i guess was it was it the 50s i think it was the 50s where he kind of got his start definitely post-world war ii uh eastern Bloc, you know kind of kind of vibe and he was doing these really revolutionary plays um and he was famous for these long rehearsals and what i mean is like one year like like literally like they would they would take a year to rehearse a piece he had a he had a, a theater company uh, it was a P- Polish laugh. I forget, forget the name of it. And they would, you know, work for a year on a piece. And wow. his pieces were famous uh, for the fact that they could only have like 50 audience members at a time. Like it was really out there. But he was state supported. And then even when he had to leave Poland, um, he was supported by various other governments and various other artistic funds and stuff like that. So he was able to do that. They never had to worry about money. Right. Um, cause he was in this kind of like poor theater type of thing. So I say all that to say when I learned about that, I got really excited and cause I was doing plays where you had to rehearse in like three and a half weeks, four weeks before you got into tech. Right. And then you're in previews and like, it got to the point where I felt like theater for me became this, like this, like open up the canned soup, you know, and you dropped it in, right? You got to heat it up. So it, 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 it is, it is still eating real food, but you know, I didn't actually, you know, cut the potatoes. I didn't like season the chicken. I didn't make the broth. It's already pre-made. And that's kind of how it felt where like I had to kind of rush into performance and not saying there aren't great shows and great performances, but I don't know, uh, a theater person who would not like more rehearsal time. And I feel like it happened to that with music because I feel like everything is so product based that 
like I told someone, I said, I think I'm making better music now because like, I don't really give a fuck anymore. Like it doesn't pay my bills. <laughs> Yeah. All it all 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 it all the money actually does for me is help me buy more plugins. That's all I do. I take the money and I buy more <laughs> like music stuff, right? right? Or like right. I I put it into film stuff. Like I I, I want to buy another lens or something like that, or it's like another like thing I need to get, right? You know, I buy a sustain pedal. You know what I'm saying for stuff like that. Like that's all I do. It doesn't pay my bills no more, but it's at the point where I don't. I kind of lost my train of thought, but yeah, that's, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, but I, th- I think that's, I think that's true. I, I like the rehearsal thing, especially for me, I think, oh man, because you're paying as like a, as a songwriter singer, um, you're paying session musicians each rehearsal. Oof. And like, so you're like thinking, you know, like I'm watching the clock and thinking, okay, this is how much I'm going to pay. This is how much I have right. for now. And and that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I had to keep things small and contained and not saying that you can't do dope shit, you know, with like a small group of people in a very contained space, but, but that I is, that time, isn't the only way to do things. Right. Right. And, and the time, but I think the time is like an important thing. I think if you had, if you didn't have to think about money being the issue and you could just rehearse for like, you know, however long you wanted, then you could really come up with something wild right so yeah so interesting you this is good so I'm, I'm gonna say something there's there's a so a lot of times and i don't know if you've experienced this but i think you have i'm, I'm pretty sure you have because you've been around the block so, so <laughs> you say that and then you'll meet that person and go well you're spoiled you you you, 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 you if you heard that from a person oh why you don't need all those musicians you understand what i'm saying wow yeah, if you, if you yeah, heard that, yeah. so uh, that's yeah. what happens. You, you, you'll meet like the rebel musician, right? Well, nah, man, you 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 thinking too big, or like they they would they would classify right. you as um, mm-hmm. being spoiled right. or bourgeois in your taste because you want to mm-hmm. have mm, you know a yes. horn because you want to have a horn section, <laughs> right? And right, you know, I think there was definitely a moment where I used to think that way, but I don't think that way anymore at all, actually. And the re- here's the reason why. And making movies this is where making movies has really taught me because you see a lot. Of, and I'm okay, look, I'm going to put a disclaimer. Everyone makes their own choices and everyone can do what they want. Um, I'm not shitting on anybody's thing, but I'm the kind of person if I hire people for, for making a movie, I need to pay them. Right. right. The best of their ability. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying every movie I've shot, everyone's gotten paid. There's definitely been a few people who, who didn't take some pay and i'm very grateful for that but like there's key people like i i had to pay and i didn't i didn't pay them their rate but i paid them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i i hear like people who like shoot movies and like they don't pay people and like in key positions <sighs> right, and i'm like right. yo and i'm like you know what if that person agreed to it and they felt like they needed it boom right but on the flip side me i'm like man i gotta pay people and mm-hmm. But then someone will look at me. They're like, oh, man, you wanted this amount of money to do a movie. And when I'm talking about amount of money, I'm talking about, like, chump change. I'm not talking about, like, millions of dollars. I'm talking about still in, the, in like, the hundreds and tens of thousands of dollars, which for movies on a labor level is nothing. Mm-hmm. You're right, feeding an right. ecosystem of people. Right. So 
I get called like sometimes people have this idea that I have like a bourgeois mentality. I'm like, I don't want to shoot a movie for 150 grand at a, on a feature level. It's not a bourgeois mentality. That's a, I want to pay people for their labor mentality. If anything, it is the most working class, um, pro working mm-hmm. class position. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. I want to pay people right. because like there's, this, there's, I think there's a lot of bullshit that, that, that exists in this like, Oh, let's just all do it for the love. And let me tell you something, man. Nah, that's bullshit. Like, like, there is definitely some bartering that happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't charge people. Someone, you know, the, the a homie called me um a, a month ago. He was like, I want a verse on something. I didn't be like 150 dollars, bro. No, I I dropped the verse, right? Yeah. And because yeah. he did it for me, you know. Yeah, I got a homie. Yeah. I just hit up a homie. Uh, for a verse, one of my one of my one of my favorite MCs, he's gonna drop me something, and then he'll probably hit me in like six months for something. And I got him. That's like bartering. Mm-hmm. But then there's like you want someone to be there every day, l- lugging their trombone, you know, <laughs> lugging lugging right. their tuba, you know, they they dragging right. their tuba, right. you know, on the L train. Hell no, you must pay these people. And the fact that you I want know. that, so it's basically saying we're gonna make these people obsolete. Uh, because mm-hmm. we need to like n- cut costs or it's bullshit. Exactly. And I think especially for instrumentalists whose instruments aren't as used in the popular, you know, mainstream pop world. Right. Um, so, you know, I have this friend who played on the record who, uh, you know, he, he's a horn player and has done pretty well. You know, he's played some major gigs. He's like, been an assistant director on like um some broadway show and he still is struggling you know because it's 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 tough to be a session player um and it's not that he doesn't create his own stuff he does um but it even though like i look at him as like somebody who's achieved success in his career Mm -hmm. he's still struggling and i think that's the interesting thing that hit me where i was like oh you know at some point in your career you might have achieved whatever X, Y, Z accolades and certain, you know, like you've had certain accomplishments, but you're still struggling. That really was disheartening to me. Man, you, you, you know, Diane Weiss, the actress, right? I don't. Diane Weiss, you know, Diane Weiss. She's the mom. She's the mom in Lost Boy in the, in the Lost Boys. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was I, I didn't in know. early Woody Allen movies, Parenthood, yes, yes, yes. you know. Yeah. Do you remember that? It was like five years ago. They interviewed her and she said she was broke. And this woman no. has been nominated for two Academy Awards. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What happened? Was, well, they like I think she got immediately got a gig or something after it. You know, they like people like, okay. like, like the industry like rallied behind her, mm-hmm. you know, but that's absurd that they had to rally behind her. She was like, I think she said something. I might be paraphrasing, but I think she was suggesting um, that because she became an older woman, which is real, um, older actors in general, but an older woman especially, she became, you know, undesirable. You know, she, I think when she, she was good at, as mom, but when she became grandma, they didn't need her anymore. You know? Wow, that's interesting. So, I actually just read something. Yeah, I I read Marissa Tomei said something similar. She was saying oh, that like, she, yeah, she's she's she, just become mom. She re, and she regrets it actually. 
Yeah. yeah, she regrets. Yeah. She regrets taking these roles, which actually, which you know, it's interesting. For someone like Marissa, Marissa, Marissa Tomei, um, it sucks because I'm sure she had plenty of people told her it's time to transition, but she probably hates the roles that she has to do. Yeah. I need to read that. You know, I met her once. She was actually really, really nice, really nice lady. Like, she's I, she's super so nice. pretty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting. It's like I think it's weird. It's weird because it's like. You get into this thing, and that's the problem with, with being an actor. Like the being with be, the thing about being an actor is, you're constantly at the mercy of what the the, the market and the the business dictates, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes things are so arbitrary. So I'm sure she had an agent or a manager or a publicist who said, "Marissa, it's time to transition." Well, we're we're gonna put you in this Marvel movie, and then you know everything as the gonna, mother, as the mother. But you'll still be like the hot mom, you know. You're, you're the hot auntie, you know. Right. But you still Marissa Tomei, and she's like, okay, I can pay my bills with this. And then she's like, I hate this shit. I want to go back. To doing, yeah, I want to go back to doing in the bedroom and the wrestler, and I'm not getting called for that shit anymore. You know, but also they're not making that shit anymore, sadly, which is the other. That's the sad thing. I mean, I I wonder how hard it is. I mean, one, I I, I do think for me personally, I think I'm I'm grateful that I didn't uh, end up in in such an image conscious, you know, um, form like acting, dancing. That's that's to me. I don't think my personality could handle it. <laughs> like I don't think I could. That's that's just that's. I mean that's just real. Like you yeah. you know you're ba- you're judged initially based on just how you look, whether you can fit in this yeah. role or not. And, and and there aren't too many films that I think or filmmakers that really don't do that. You don't think At music has that though? You don't think being a lead singer has that factor? Unless you can like um, blow like Adele or something, probably right. You you can you can get past. It. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you get past it, I think, like, I mean, I definitely think there's image stuff, I think, but that's more in the mainstream. Like, a lot of the indie artists I like who have done okay for themselves, not like, you know, they're not like Beyonce, but who have done okay for themselves have either gotten by it or have just become sort of, like, elusive in the whole, you know. They, but, they, they, but, they, they, but they've had a constructed image, though, in a way. Like, maybe not an image oh, for of... Sure. Um, of being sexy or um, attractive, but right. like rebellious right. or oh, for sure. But it's not credit. But your career, or I was just gonna say career. I, I think the art form isn't predicated on like how you look. Yeah, like you don't go into a room where somebody's like, "No, you're not right for this." Like yeah. where you're at the mercy of somebody who's like, yeah. mm, you know, you're yeah, you look this way. I, yeah. I like I had it. I auditioned for this one person who was just like oh I, I need songwriters and I want to put together like a, a songwriting like like showcase or some shit and it was the weirdest thing because like I went there <laughs> oh, and played you know played my little song this is like in my early 20s so I was still like you know I just moved to New York I was like bright-eyed and like woo, like I'm in New York I'm gonna play this song and oh my god I was so mortified like after I played he asked me to stand up and lift my shirt a little bit and dance for him and I was like uh I think I gotta get out of here I don't think this is what I signed up for um and yeah I just 
that's, couldn't. I used to always cringe. I remember um, a woman I was dating who was an actress years ago. Um, I had dropped her off at an audition that she had found. And this is before cell phones. So, you know, it's like you gotta, they're going to meet me back. And when she met me back, it was like a similar thing. Like she oh. read this thing and the guy was like, oh, yeah, you look, you know, da, da, da. you look like the type we're looking for. Could you? He totally sexualized her. And oh. and and um, it's it's it goes to show that the, the real issue with this art form is that or not art form this business that takes these art forms is everything becomes these products and pieces and disposable um trinkets for people with power to like Mm -hmm. do what the fuck they want you know some young impressionable or some young naive or this young singer not even naive some young singer walks in they're gonna try to do something you know or like me, when they would be like, all right, you know, we like it in Tume, but like we need more like soul. We need oh. more we, we need more black in it, you know, and shit like that. And you're just like, you fucking kidding me. And then you can't curse the lady out because she's like she's like the big casting director for right. all commercials in New York City. Right. Oh. And you're like, you fucking you fucking kidding me. And right. it becomes Real nasty, and it makes me want to quit. I mean, that's the reason why I was like, I'm done with it. You know, right, I'm done with right. it. You know, the rap stuff had a similar thing. Like, I I found that I felt rap music, and I'm gonna be straight up. I still feel like it's there. Hip hop music, like, really plateaued. And like when I did like this Grand Mixer record, I was like, I want to kind of fight the plateau. But the weird thing was, I didn't get a sense that everybody else wanted to do it i think people were just fine and dandy with where it was mm-hmm. you know and i was kind of like well why am i i, I only be fighting that shit myself you know what i'm saying yeah exhausting uh, myself and you know and yeah. being being and i know you know this being a musician isn't necessarily a healthy lifestyle no i think that's also the other thing like i really um unless i had made it somehow just being able to write music for somebody else i I really i just i couldn't see myself wanting to you know tour long term i just that doesn't sound like it appeals to me we were just talking about this before we got on like the late nights you know and then getting up late and then eating shit because you you know you woke up late it's it's not healthy it's not sustainable i didn't see that like being i think i just was like i i don't that's not i don't want to be like I'm going to be 40 this year. So like, I'm, you know, I didn't see that for myself. Like, and yeah. When I was 29, it was like, it was fun. Like I I won't lie. I had a ton, I had a ton of fun going from country to country, you know, saying, fuck it. I'm just not going to sleep. I'm going to do this Mm -hmm. gig. Right. You know, do all this stuff, you know, while out with your homies in like the middle of fucking Germany and shit like it was fun you know <laughs> oh, like, i had great memories but like no but then I, I definitely hit a moment where i was like really tired i was like when right I was, when i was like in my when i hit like my my early to mid 30s i was like yo <laughs> i was like it catches up to you it does i was like yo but the, what's interesting though and this and this is this is something i want to throw to you where 
kind of in a positive spin, a positive. So I took this massive time off from making music, like massively long, right? Um, and like it probably like was even longer because like when I was thinking about like doing more music, I had to fight the whole like, do I still got it? Am I rusty? <laughs> Did I take too time mm-hmm. off? And once I got past that and realized I actually wasn't, in some ways I actually wasn't rusty. I was actually better. I was improved. I was relaxed. Um, I was, my senses were, were I, th- I won't say improved. They were more relaxed, right? Mm-hmm. I had time, you know, to let everything kind of like flow a little bit and just breathe. I can just breathe in creativity. And what I discovered is like, I was telling someone, someone asked me, he was like, oh, if you made this album, if you finished this album seven years ago, do you think it would have been as good? And I was like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And he's like, why? I said, well, one level that I'm like, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little smarter now. Right. I, I definitely understand my frequencies better. And like, you know, I get things. But on the flip side, I also just don't give a fuck a lot about other stuff we were just talking about. The like need to appeal. I don't mm-hmm. care. I don't care. So I don't have that pressure. So yeah. in, a, in an interesting way, and I, I'm curious how what you feel about this. Like, I'm actually excited to create art without having to care about putting it into the marketplace in a big pl- in totally. a bit in a big place. Now the issue with that is, um, is and I know there's probably some people listening who are going to go, well, well, there's still this pressure that if you're not doing it for the marketplace, you're not, you're not doing it for anyone. You're not, you're not, if you're not getting it to all of the people, you're not really doing important things, which I actually think is like a 25 year old's like over ego shit personally. But like, yeah. I'm, I'm 40, man. I, I don't got that ego no more, <laughs> but I don't know. How, I, but, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you, what do you think? Like, do you feel that you could create in that way now? Do you feel like you, you could step into a life where you're like, I'm just going to create if like, keep keep, keep the cost overhead low as, as low as I can. I know you have like specific issues because you want to, you like working with musicians and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, um, but I do too. And I still think that's still, I, I, yeah. I, I want to do, but like, I'm fine to kind of just keep the, 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 the cost slow just put stuff out digitally, never make a CD again and yes. call it a day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think, I mean, the last album that I made was I think four or five years after the, the one before that, because I felt like, well, one, I felt like I needed to live a little bit and experience life to have something to say. Again, I didn't want to just keep putting stuff out just for the sake of it. Even though some of those songs on that last record, like were songs that existed you know, for a while, I just felt like I didn't really know I needed time to sit with it. And, and I think that time and that space actually helped. Um, But I think the pressure, I didn't have that much pressure anymore on myself to be like, this is going to be this, this is going to be I'm going to put it out into the marketplace, I'm going to, you know, do this many shows so I can promote it. I'm gonna, I didn't have any of those hangups anymore. I just was like, I want to make a record that I have in my mind. This is what I've envisioned. This is what I want to do. And that was enough for me. And I felt the most creative than I've ever felt on any of the other records because there wasn't that pressure. It was just, I'm just going to make this thing in the way that I want to make it and release it. However, and I never released, I never had a 
real like you know what is it called what do we, what do we used to do shows album release you didn't do it <laughs> album release right. there you, go. you didn't do an album release for that album that's right you didn't no i didn't i didn't do an album release i just released it digitally i did this whole like digital release where i like released a song every hour right. um and and your I videos just, you did videos for and it. we did the videos which you directed thank you very yeah. much they were beautiful um and and that was for me like this is how i'm gonna release this stuff into the world and and that to me was like the best way i've released anything because it felt more personal rather yeah. than a business strategy yeah and do you feel satisfied with it like do you feel like good absolutely with it? good yeah yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's a part of me that wishes I could have done like a live component just so that you could see yeah. how intricate the arrangements were. But I don't, you know, but I don't have a hang up about it. I was I was really I was satisfied. I was satisfied with how the record was made and how I released it. And after that, I was kind of like, all right, that's I'm good, you know. Would you how would you feel like say if like you had like a, a lot I'm, I'm like trying to think like, you know vision person um what if you did like you recorded a live visual a video live version of it with like high audio recording would, would, would that be good for yes. you yes okay absolutely yes you should do that, that i could get with <laughs> i know i know you should I, do that. I have to get, get him, you, you got you got to get them for a day you know i know i know i know but then you know rehearse then it, them it is you gotta rehearse those, them and all that stuff but yeah, yeah you gotta rehearse folks but yeah. i mean you could just get some of the same musicians and like just make sure that they have all because so much of it was like composed so yeah. you would just have to make sure that they had the arrangements yeah so no, you know that's what i've been thinking because like i'm not really well I, there's two things like the grand mixer music a lot of it i mean was the original like the, the shells of the compositions were like done by me but the way they expanded were definitely via like rehearsal and the live shows so i i discovered things that help expand the songs and I have to say, like, you know, not tooting our own horn, like our live show was really dope. And we only did about I think we did about a dozen, but they were like really dope. And like they were definitely like like the talk of the area when we were doing them. They were like really dope. And I had like long term visions of it. Um, my biggest regret was not recording it in a really strong way. And I thought about it. But I think about this going forward because, like, I'm releasing this music. I do miss performing live a bit. Um, not every, not not in every way though. Like I said, I I don't miss, I don't miss the small clubs. But also, well, the small clubs that didn't like musicians. There are some small clubs that are awesome. Right. I don't. I don't. Right. I don't. I don't want to denigrate that. That 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 and some great places to play. And to be honest with you, I've had more. Some of some of my best shows were in like really small venues with really mm -hmm. good crowds, right? It can be mm -hmm. really amazing. Um, but there's definitely venues that just use musicians like we're cattle um, and, and, uh, yeah. and, and don't give a fuck. So, but my biggest like worry now is like, I do sometimes miss performing live, but I don't, well, there's two things. We, you know, Conchita and I both live in New York and I have to say like, there really isn't a live music scene anymore. Right, what happened? Well, I mean, this is like, inference i would definitely need to like talk to somebody about it but you know a lot of venues closed because of mm. just costs and the way yeah. um the the you know the the re you know 
people who are not in New York, you know, gentrification and, and like the restructuring of neighborhoods have just been huge, you know. And so a lot of the clubs that both Conchita and I used to play in are not even around anymore. And if they are around, they're like they have like an EDM DJ on Saturdays. No, I'm dead serious. Like I'm not even like it's, I'm not even saying as a, as a joke, right? They oh, man. they don't want musicians up in there. They want an EDM DJ in there on Saturdays, right? Certain types of music they don't want at all, right? Um, yeah. I mean, there's still jazz clubs for jazz musicians, which is great, and I feel happy mm-hmm. for them. Um, um, because jazz has a has a certain and and, and I think there's still I, I guess there's still rock clubs probably, right? Yeah, but even that, I feel like a lot of it is like it's almost like pay to play. Like you're guaranteeing right. an amount of money. And what kind of rock music are they playing? Are they are they letting them play like all types of shit, or is it like yeah. maybe certain types of things are like we really like this? I nah. think as long as I I think I think as long as you can bring an audience or bring in some money, they'll let you do whatever, whatever you want. want. And that's a problem. Yeah. And that because exactly that, that's not that's not quality control. They think no, it's, it's quality not. control. It's not. It's well, that not. was the thing, you know. I, I many years ago when I was um when I was like a when I was like first starting out in music, I met this guy uh, who used to book bands in the seventies. He was like long retired from it. He used to work for clubs in like the sixties and the seventies. And he said the clubs were so different back then. He said his job was to actually go out and find musicians that he thought oh. were really good bring them to the venue and then help and then build that person an audience right so say like see like he he saw you playing at a at a gig one night right right and you were say you say you were just playing your guitar and you, you were doing a singer songwriter thing you had nothing you were playing an acoustic set he'd yeah. see you said i really like you what do you like to do and then you go to him well i actually think i'm better with a drummer and a horn section and, and a live bass and a piano. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll get that together. And it was his job to find musicians for you, right? That's amazing. <laughs> and wow, build an audience. Because then what that what it was was it wasn't Conchita playing in new venues every week. Conchita would only play here. The residency. It was the residency, and like they would only play there. I remember reading Nina Simone's autobiography, and she talked about that when she first got a. Because she, she wasn't didn't want to be a singer. She was forced to become a singer. They were like right, they, right, they like they right. like lost the singer or something, and she just played piano. They and were she like just stepped up. Like yeah. can, can, can you sing? And they were like, yeah, you, you, your voice is interesting. Do do something right. And next <laughs> thing you know, she became yeah. Nina Simone, and she played right. only there. Right. Yeah. So like yeah. this idea of the musician like running around the city. No, it was like this is our person. They rock yeah. here. We have a series of five or six people and they rock there. Right? right. And that does not exist in New York anymore. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if it exists anywhere in the US. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so uh the industry's so incumbent now on the individual finding their own audience. You don't really have these laboratories anymore for no experimenting and like building building an I don't want to just say building an audience but building you know somebody's career and, and you know what's weird about that to me it almost feels like that that would be more cost effective like I'm yeah, no, exactly. I'm no I'm no person no whiz kid with money 
and none of that stuff. But to me, it sounds insanely like 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 insane amounts of bad business to like constantly have new people running through your venue who don't know it and trying to every week find new audience to come into your spot rather than oh we know on saturday nights this is what we're gonna get right well i think people don't want to invest long term right they want a quick buck because of largely because of i think how gentrification has affected neighborhoods in new york city where the rent is just insane and people have to somehow, you know, bar owners and they just, they just got to make enough to survive. So there's less, there's less uh, focus on the actual art and more on the business. That's so, woof, that's just, man, it's really, and this is, we're kind of going back to the original question. I think, this is where like I become that like that fuddy duddy where like I, I think people, you know, want to argue that, you know, business and art can coexist. And they say, Well, look, man, you know, we didn't have business, we might not have had Michael Jackson and all that stuff, right? Right. But I I'm like, it's done more damage than it's done good. Right. Yeah. Maybe we would have had eight Michael Jacksons. Mm-hmm. Maybe the issue is that we only had one. Right. <laughs> right? That, that's yeah. actually the issue. Maybe Michael Jackson shouldn't have been a singular thing. Maybe the whole world should. We should have been everywhere you went. There was like a Michael Jackson. Right. Right. And, and how do we know that the, the system we have didn't thwart that? Because I think we definitely know. You know, I, I used to do I used to do this this like thing when um you know growing up a '90s hip hop head. You know, there's definitely the tale of where you would see like the early '90s groups once the mid to late '90s happened with like Puffy, um and and like you know things like No Limit beginning to kind of like take over, where like those mid '90s like raw Bohemian groups pretty much couldn't survive, and for the most part, they two well, one or two things happen right. They either quit and like just left all together. You know, I'm thinking I'm thinking people like people like 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 the Boogie Monsters or like you know um, who's another group I was thinking of like you know like, like the Boogie Monsters. I don't know if it was in my head, but people would just quit, right? Or they become like common, right? And like totally like oh. changed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, go, hey ah. AI, they would totally oh, change their vibe and like become gap be commercial cats. Be on gap ads. <laughs> right. Like really because cause more like like Commons change is totally a calculated effort. It's him like right. looking at his career and going, I can either like fall away or I could like use the fact that women think I'm attractive, right? <laughs> and like I got some soul songs and I can be the nice guy rapper and mm-hmm. I can maybe act a little bit. Because women think I'm attractive, <laughs> and I could go in there and like you know make a new career of, my, of myself. Because Com is making far more money now than no. when he was in the mid '90s. I mean, he wasn't. I don't think he was making much. He was on a label. Right. He barely sold records. You know what I'm saying? He was. But that's when he was actually making good music. He was making great music. He was making amazing music. And but I look back at that and I go, that is evidence 
that the systems we have in place killed art. Right. I mean, you just hear, we talk about this all the time, how people now use the word content in place of art. And, you know, we both have strong feelings about that, you know. Ugh, well, know. oh man, I'm gonna I might step into some hot water, but I'm gonna say it. You know, it's 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 yes, I'm with you, and people know how much I despise that word um, because, well, I'll say something else, and then it'll 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 emphasize that. But the thing I was gonna say was going back to like the thing of like the boogie monsters or like these groups who you know didn't make it out of you know the mid 90s era into like the new millennium of 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 prosperous rap music you know uh commercially there's a section of people who blame them who say it's their fault right come on kachita think about yourself right there's always going to be that person who's going to say, well, Kachita, that's, that's your problem. You didn't adapt well, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's always going to be that person, right? I'm, there's people who, who want to say that to me. I'm too many. Like, oh, no, that's, that's your fault, man. Like, you should just adapt it. Like, the best ones are the ones who adapt to everything that's happening. And, like, okay, fine, cool. But that's, like, assuming our system is, like, just natural, um... You know, I saw someone write like the other day on 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 Twitter that like you know some people just don't want to be great, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I said, you know, I'm gonna say something. I don't know one person who doesn't want to be great. Right. No, I, I that honestly, I think people don't want to fail. <laughs> Different. Who who doesn't want to? to fail no one wants to fail trust me people don't want to fail people don't want to be embarrassed they don't want to be wrong right they don't want to make the wrong choice right these to me make more sense right so to blame people for this system that is hostile to them as artists to me is the most asinine thing you can do Right. And this goes back to the content thing, because. I don't think there's any evidence that you that you could um, out there that shows us that the system loves art. Yeah, I, I think I think art turning art into a product just degrades art. Yeah, totally. For so many reasons. Because if the if the end goal is making money, then it's not making art. Yeah, right. It's Walter Benjamin, right? Re- reproduction, right? So when, right. You, when you when you you have the you have the original, and then when you keep reproducing, reproducing, it degrades. Or uh, J- John Berger talks about that in, in the ways of seeing, right? The copy of the copy of the copy of the copy, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's like the literal one with you know the copy uh, machine or the copy of a of a painting, but also the more figurative one, right? Mm-hmm. where we're constantly reproducing right so the conchita they think is successful can't be an original conchita it has to be a copy of something else that's familiar that conchita can mm-hmm. mold herself into 100 percent. and you know i went to a songwriting conference but i was still like again young and naive and thinking oh these things will help and we, we you know we talked about this we talked about all these like systems that exploited musicians in the 
2000s, like Sonic mm. Kids, Reverb Nation. And, Yo, fuck Sonic you know, Kids, and, man. And, oh, fuck them all. <laughs> and I, so I was like, you know, when you're young and trying to make it, quote unquote, I was like, all right, I'll go to the songwriting conference and see, you know, how I can make it big. Not even big, just make a living off of it. And the person on the panel was like, you need to literally said you need to study the radio study the structures those are what are the you know those are what's in trend and that's how you'll get radio airplay and i was like that's when i knew this career is probably not for me that is but i was devastated by that you should have been i mean totally because you're you know when you're an artist they you when you're an up-and-coming artist, they give you all these, like, hopes and dreams and, you know, and you can be whatever you want, and, you know, things like that, you know. <laughs> right. and sky's the limit, you know. You know, your yeah. creativity is all that matters. No, that's bullshit, oh. right? But the, yeah. other, the other end of it is the thing that I've realized, and I say this as someone who teaches in, a, in an arts program for college students, um, you know, these programs, when it comes to colleges, but also like conferences, they're about training people for industry life. They're not about developing artistic um, skills and an artist kind of finding their own voice and their own methodology of doing things. And we've become a culture of training people for the market. And how to be in the market, how to make your brand, so forth and so on, how to read the market. I mean, basically, musicians, a lot of the times are like they think like stockbrokers. Like that was one of the most disturbing things for me when I realized when I would go out with a bunch of like, say, when I was acting and I would go out with a bunch of actors and they're talking more like business people than they were talking about like actors. You know, I didn't. I didn't. I. I did not want to talk about box office or IMDb shit. I. I didn't want to have that conversation. I wanted to talk about um, Michael Chekhov and and acting craft things. You know, Arto. Right. I wanted to talk about that stuff, and they're looking at me like, "Who this Negro? Why he want to talk about all that?" And I'm and white and black people saying that shit. Trust me, you know, and like. And and then when I was doing hip hop shit, you know, I I I didn't care about charts. Like I I didn't, first of all I didn't listen to chart rappers. What the hell, right? But then like you know in the independent, and I wonder if it was similar for you, but like in the independent world, there was definitely like its own charts, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not you, you know, in that time when I was still you know performing heavy, it was this weird transitional period. I forget the name of the company. There was these couple of companies that were kind of developing the kind of online stream, right? And there was definitely like in hip hop your big indie labels. So you had like Def Jux. Mm-hmm. Though I think by that time, like the when I was when I, when I was rocking, like Def Jux was like having their problems. They were starting to splinter a little bit. But Def Jux was like the kind of like the, the, the there you had like Hyrule Imperium and all these um rhyme sayers, which 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 which, which is still around. They're having a scandal right now. I don't, I don't know if you saw that. No. Yeah, they're happened? they're having a huge scandal with uh two artists that they put out apparently have long histories of sexual harassment <gasps> of various women in the Minneapolis area 
Um, and I, I need to kind of brush up, but it's not like a thing that's like brand new that Rhyme Sayers found out about. It's like been talked about, but they just kind of like canceled them. So they, 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 they stopped one of the guy's releases. Oh, wow. One of the artists releases because something new had came out and there's a lot of talk about it. Um, but and but it's interesting because, you know, Ryan, people who don't know Rhyme Sayers, Rhyme Sayers is a, is a, is a label in uh, the Twin Cities. Um, and like they've been around forever. They're like one of the very like first like really big and still like one, I think one of the only long running indie labels, rap rap labels like a lot, wow. of, these, a lot of these other labels are How going. How they like, survived? I think because, well, this is the thing I was going to say is Minneapolis is a small their hip-hop community is very loyal and that midwest community right Mm -hmm. so that midwest hip-hop thing has a strong community because for a lot of time they couldn't get any vibe in new york or in or in cali so they had they had developed their own thing you know shout out to scribble jam you know like they had like their own festival which for a while was the biggest hip-hop festival for a little bit you know in like the in in the in, in the aughts you know until that became no more like rock the bells killed that, right? Ugh. All those things killed that. So, but their community support, they were they were able to make that happen. But like I remember, like you had those labels. There was a hierarchy. If you couldn't get to a Rhyme Sayers, if you couldn't get to a Def Jux or one of its affiliates, or if you couldn't get to a Stone's Throw or any of those things, mm-hmm. you were kind of on your ass. Mm-hmm. you were on your ass like you couldn't right. you couldn't do anything as a rapper right that's why i had went the jazz route because i was like i'm not gonna i had i knew people from all of those labels every single one and i knew that i had no chance to get with any of them you know why? what i'm saying just various amounts of reasons like not to like talk about each person's in uh individual stuff but like you know they have whether uh, it's a sound they don't think is right or they only deal with only original people. Some of these labels, you know, um, I want to say the name, a label that I was like, I've always been a really big fan of. Um, and one of their artists who was like one of my favorite artists, he actually once contacted me. He was like, I fuck with your stuff. I love, I like, I like what you're doing, oh, wow. yeah. but he was, but he was straight up with me that um, we oh he said to me, we only have the money to support what we have who we who we are because they had a lot they had a string of artists and they were all eating off of that right wow so he was like if anything you know happens that maybe you know and you have a project maybe we could do something but he was like it doesn't look likely but what he would do is when i would do new things he would definitely shout it out to people for me he would like you know people he knew or like you know like independent media stuff he would go check 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 this guy out right Mm -hmm. and it was I mean, hey man, that's a lot that's more than most people do. So you know, it's it's it was a a a, a a a a big honor, but it was a hierarchy, and after that hierarchy, you couldn't get out if you could if you couldn't get past that, you were kind of done, right? And that's the thing, and you know, kind of fast forwarding to now, I I think I'm just happy that I don't really care anymore, right? <laughs> Which is, I think, uh, it's a big. It's a big opening to be creative. It is. It is. It's very it's a very big opening because like, you know, so I don't like it. Cool. Fine. Good. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care. Like, cool. I'm good. Right. You know. You know. And you know, like I, I definitely 
I had like about a, a couple of weeks ago, I had a moment where I, I did ask myself, I said, am I not, am, am I selling myself short though? Like, should I be doing more? In terms like, of what? More like, in terms of what? That's the thing. In terms of what? I don't know. It's like this, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, this, yeah, it's this little like dude hanging over you like, hey man, are you doing enough? It's it, right, right. it's the capitalist productivity devil. It's who it is. Right. It's exactly right. who it is, right. right? Are you maximizing your worth? Right. You know. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, I had someone say to me like when I was releasing um, the last album, like, "Hey, like you really should have done it this way so that you could have maximized the eyeballs on it." And I was like, "I don't really care, though." Yeah, and that's the thing, and it's and 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 you probably were there quicker than me because like. I I don't I don't care to a certain degree. Like, you know, here's another thing, and I and I'm gonna say this, and this is and this is like, yeah, I'm I'm having a bat uh, a pat my own back moment. <laughs> I said this to someone. I said, the fact that there's a few peers that I have, or actually, the fact that a few idols that I have in my life have sat there and told me, I think you're dope. I'm good. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> That's how I feel about both my music and when I write something. Like, if, if the people whose opinions really matter to me are the ones who are like, hey, that's dope. This is great. Yeah. That's all I care about. Yeah, Those like, three, four people in my life like, that, I, like, that I have great admiration for. Like, there's an MC I think is, like, one of the best motherfuckers ever, and I record with him. And, like, he's someone that I looked up to for years. And I was just like... He when 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 he was calling me to give him verses, I was like, I mean, I've done the thing, I've done the thing, wow. I'm good, yeah. I'm good, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have a peer group of respect, and then there's another cat who was like a legend to me, and like when when whenever he kind of resurfaces and and, and 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 we talk, and he's like, Yo, this is dope. I'm like, I'm good. You know, mm-hmm. yes, I would love more people to listen, but you know, the one thing I think that's good about the digital stuff where it is now i think there's a better chance of like having people listen and it's being fine you know and you know i don't mind spending some extra money on it i got it what else am i spending money on <laughs> right you know yeah. i'm not spending insane amounts of money i'm spending what i can afford and you know you call it a day you know and and the live thing is the tough one i i, I think i'm i'm meditating kind of what i was just saying with you like maybe I rent out a studio room when, when COVID is over and people can actually be together. And like, I do yeah. like a live grand mixer, like just recording, get it, you know, yeah. maybe do something like that and just have it, but that would be you dope. know, and just do that, you know, but like playing shows, you know, I don't know if we ever really finished the whole like live venue thing here, but it's just, it just mm-hmm. doesn't, there isn't a, a, a vibe for it. And then touring, you know, I don't even know, like, you know, I know by the time I quit touring, touring was like you know in a really hard spot for almost all musicians that's so funny in all genres uh, yeah i was talking to somebody who was saying that um their friends from europe their musician friends from europe came here to to play in some venues and they were like they, they loved it because they said oh it really makes you work hard because nobody really you know nobody's really paying attention whereas in europe i guess um their venues actually like pay you to yeah you know. Oh yeah! <laughs> it's like wow! Oh, you, you, you what get, a you, difference! You get a flat rate, and 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 it was That's a good amazing. night. Amazing! And it was a good night. You get a bump up. 
oh yeah none of this like uh bar minimums you know you know new york has things called like people don't know this stuff you know like a bar minimum is like if the bar doesn't make a certain amount of money uh that night this this is this is if you like curated a night um there that it comes out of your door or whatever right they have it basically owe them money they have they have to hit a minimum right yeah then they take parts of your door it's 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 just all kinds of bs and and they do nothing to help promote like nothing it's all on you all up to you right and it's like stressful and it's not cool and while like in europe you know i was it was like a thing where like every gig i had a residency at a club we had a residency for like three months and it was like a steady every show we did was a steady amount mm, right wow. was that was a guaranteed amount and um if if he made more money past a certain thing, which we had to trust his, you know, his books, he would he would give us some more. He would, you know, it it would always be arbitrary. I didn't know there was one venue in New York that I used to play at um, that did that did that, and he was from Europe. He's from Italy. Interesting. Yeah. Um. He he tried to do it. Um, Why is their model so different? Um. I think because you know. European, especially places like at least somewhere like Spain is more community based. They see arts as like a community thing. No, they don't see that here as a community thing. They think of how I'm going to make my bar make money. I want to get people in here. That's it. Right. Rather than like, and this guy would like, when we did it here, if it was a slow night, he still gave us our minimum. Wow. And he fed us. That's we had, so we, interesting. We, we, we had, we had, we, we had a meal. He would give us a meal. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he would give us a meal. Um it was awesome. Like it was it was a, it was something you would never find here. You'd never find that wow. here. And I and wonder if it's like that in smaller markets. I do. I wonder too. I, I, that actually be good to know. I'd be curious yeah. like, you know. I, I know what happens when you when you travel. Mm-hmm. If you're touring sometimes it depends. Like that's where you have to have like a, like a good tour manager and things like that <laughs> or someone who can you know um coordinate those things for you different even in, even when i was in europe like some venues couldn't support that but i tell you man like no like when we did perform in europe that was like a thing that would happen like you know you go in a gig and like you know you'd set up you'd, re- you'd rehearse you get everything set and then like they have dinner w- waiting for you or like that is we, amazing we, we we got you dinner at this spot two 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 doors down like and i would say like 80 percent of the venues were like that but I know, like Spain hasn't been great financially, so I wonder, you know, if that's still happening if it's there too. Shifted. Yeah. If they, the only time as neoliberalism ever... has ravaged them, you know, has it gone that way? Yeah. Yeah. The only times I've ever experienced that, like paid gigs where they actually treat you like a performer, you know, like a guest, um, is colleges. Yeah. Because they have budgets for them, but the college circuit but that, that chain, and 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 it's also kind of done. Yeah. What happened? Uh, that's a really good. Yo, I would love to get a college radio person on from like the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, because like that was because that was a big thing. I mean, that's how hip hoppers were 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 making money for a long time. Exactly. That was that was actually like, like the hip hop thing was was like there was a hitting the college circuit in like the late nineties, early to maybe mid two thousands. And then I remember like talking to some of the like 
older heads who were like, you know, legendary cats who were telling me that that shit is over. The college circuit is done. I wonder what shifted. I'm I think, so curious. I heard internet. Well, internet uh, killed co- internet killed college radio. Right. So internet killed college radio. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it was something to do with school budgets. I'd be very curious to know what happened. Someone needs to. There has to be an article. Someone has to write an article about that. <laughs> there has to be an article if we Google it. Yes, like There's what happened to college somewhere. radio? I'm gonna ask. Right. I'm actually. You know what though? I actually got a homie. I'm gonna ask him if he knows, and he, and if he feels confident enough that he could talk about it, I'll have him come and yeah. talk to us. Because that it, would because, be great. Because he, I know he used to deal in that world, um, but I don't. I wonder if he has like the actual info of how it changed. Because it's also, I think it was also for a time a sustainable way for well, a, a way for bands and artists to get exposure and a, and kind of a sustainable way to make some money. Well, yeah, it was. You had two things. You you had your college radio buzz and college radio. They found an actual like equation where your college radio place um, equaled sales. You would get sales from it. Right. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And and then there'll be a demand for you to come to campus and perform. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's one guy. I mean, rest in peace. Wesley Willis was that. Remember Wesley Willis? No, I don't. He was a guy, he was developmentally disabled and he would do these like songs, like weird songs on like his keyboard. And he was big in colleges. He played all over college radio. He came to my came to my school in like two thousand and one. Oh wow. He was huge with college with college kids. He passed away, I don't not, maybe like ten years ago, maybe even longer. But he was definitely a college radio product. Right? It's yeah. pre internet. He was played all over the college radio and like or like early internet, like pre MySpace, pre pre social media. Yeah, right. Right, because right. you could download his songs, right? Um, but he was, you know, so then it would equate to him going all over campuses and like him, 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 him rocking shows, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was definitely a tangible. Like I knew people who lived off of that. They lived off of college, you know, radio and college performing. It was their yeah. thing. That was the only time I ever actually got paid. Like not from the door, but like actual. Yeah. Like here is payment for your performance yeah. yeah but no. gone are those days yeah how do people make it now i don't know that's a good question we probably should probably should talk to someone who is actually doing it right now yeah that's a good you know good point. talk to talk i think but i have to say i think a lot of it is they're doing it in a multitude of ways that's true yeah. like like this woman i'm seeing doing all of these um these videos about her playing these like these like live covers like mm-hmm. i was thinking she must be sponsored by mm-hmm. these um these 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 software companies yeah. so mm-hmm. if she is sponsored that she must either maybe she's getting money from them or if they're giving her stuff from free she has like you know advertisers she there's there's there's, there's, there's revenue streams you know um, right and if you get clicks on youtube i mean at some point you get something and then yeah i think a lot of you, you got you got to have a big internet presence like do you know that 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 that, that comedy singer was it is it mark mark riboulette he's like this white guy with like glasses and he like does these like funny like covers he just does like you know he's he's funny actually i think he's kind of funny but um uh oh, he <laughs> yeah he's no i think he's kind of funny uh no 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 he's uh, me and cindy watch it he's, he's pretty funny but um <laughs> he um but he's also you can tell he has chops as a musician too Right. Mm-hmm. But he has a big Internet presence. 
his internet presence is huge. So he, I think he, but he does a lot of live streaming of shows before COVID and that gets him to do live stuff. So basically like they all know him from the internet. He's then able to go out. So I think that's what it is. I think you have to have an internet presence and a lot of people be willing to put out a lot of things. Yes. Content. You need constant content. Like you can't be the artist who hides in the back. Yeah. Gosh, you know, but to produce that much content, my God. The the only reason why Kendrick Lamar can do that is because he's on a major label. Right. He can like disappear for two years and three years right, and then come right, back out right. because he's because he's a major label artist. I right? wonder how much like how much somebody like Thundercat makes. Well, Thundercat also plays though. He's right. he plays with other bands. That's right. He does session work. He's a big session work and live. I've saw him. Yeah, I saw him. I've seen once. him. Like, I was like, oh, that's Thundercat. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, three, four times. <laughs> yeah, he's playing. I think he has a combo, right? He plays, he composes, you know. I think he's constantly doing stuff. You must have to be, like, but somebody on his level who's not, like, a radio. I mean, he's he's been on, like, radio songs just because he's a session player, right? Like, he's been on some of Kendrick's tracks, right? Yeah, session um, player, you know, him and Flying Lotus. Um, right. A lot, of, a lot of groups, though. Like, a lot of different groups. I'm sure he but, does you know, producing I think about, and songwriting stuff, you know. Right. But I think about, like, a band like The Roots, for instance, that, like, eventually took a gig with Jimmy Fallon. What Was that, like, just a calculated, like, we're tired of touring because that's the only way we make money? Well, he said that. They literally oh, really? said that. Don't they? They literally legitimate. They literally said that 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 touring was no longer an option for men who had families that's and true. of their age. And there's so many of them of their age and they were just like they were toured out they were constantly touring well they were like something like i remember black thought had said they were something like i might be embellishing it was something like 180 gigs like they had years of like like i said like like, during album years it was something like an like a hundred and it was it was over 150 gigs right and then in non-album years it was like over a hundred it was like between 100 and 120 gigs Damn. A year. Right. And and you I mean, there's so many of them in the band that like you're splitting that money. You're right. Not, like it's not just going to one person. Right. Right. Exactly. And you know, and then they have certain standards, you know, they you know, stuff like that. So but he said that I remember like 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 Questlove talking about like, yeah, we couldn't do this anymore as a as a as, as a sustainable thing. As just as human beings. So we 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 we, we uh we took this gig, though Leonard Hubbard didn't want to take the gig. So, and he quit the band. Interesting, really. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they have huge beef now. Really? Leonard, Leonard Hubbard, their old bassist, has beef with them all. Oh, there's like, yeah, that's like big beef. It's like public. This is not like I didn't know this. This is not like yeah, like state secret. This is like public beef. This I is like hear ma- about this. What is his? What did he say? I mean, there's like issue? money involved, royalties. He doesn't like the Fallon thing. There's a whole lot of stuff and. Who knows who's telling the truth? This person, they're saying he's lying. You know, it's, you know, my name is Bennett and I ain't in it. You know, there's, <laughs> there's like shots on records. Like Black Thought took a shot on one of his records. You know, it's just like. Black Thought is amazing to me, though, because like, yes, he's on Jimmy Fallon, but he'll still release these, you know, these tracks where I'm just like, God, you're still so good. Well, I think he has a time to do that now. Like back then he That's didn't. That's true. You're right. He has a space. He has a space to do that now. Like back then he was just like. I, I gotta do roots records. Now he's like, you know, 
he sits at home, you know, he chills out. Then he goes up, he goes as Fallon, like because oh, remember that's also like a they record like only like what six months, like because like those shows like have like a lot of downtime talk shows. You oh know? really? Yeah, talk shows have a lot of downtime and and you know like off air where they're, where they're playing repeats. Wow. So do you fault people for making those choices? Oh, that's another. This is another conversation. (laughs) Uh, Depends. I would say that I can't, I can't make a blanket. I can't make a blanket. It it definitely makes me look at them a certain way. I don't, I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you, I I, I can't stand Jimmy Fallon, but like, you know, know. you know, but the roots, you know, they did what they wanted to do. I, you know, it's fine. You know, I don't think it's inconsistent. They were also playing and it's not, not a negative. They were playing all types of festivals, sponsored by all kinds of people you know right you know i'm sure they had sponsors that were all types of ways so them them eventually doing jimmy fallon is like whatever you know i also but i did i can't lie once i saw them do jimmy fallon i was like well i'm not gonna be expecting the roots to be like you know making that like cutting edge shit anymore (laughs) you know (laughs) that's what i thought but you know that's you know but they they don't have to they make cutting edge shit you know yeah they make cutting edge shit forever they they made a contribution and you know it is what it is. Yeah, and I think that goes back to like the original question of, you know, this is how money impacts the form, you know? Yeah. You know, people get tired like working in a capitalist society is no joke. You're you're constantly on as a, as an artist, I think you're constantly hustling, right? And, yeah. and even beyond artists, like you're you're constantly having to prove your value and how much you can produce. And yeah. So and I, I think yeah. Mm, and I think we have to fight that. I think there is especially in like a thing on like COVID and not to like you know, there's like this push in COVID, I think, for artists to claim their worth by being productive at the risk of their own health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And um and to me, that's born out of neoliberalism and that's born out of this capitalist need of, um, uh, you know, tone of production and production and production of all, all the time. There's nothing rebellious or radical about it to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's weird when I see radicals I t- try to adopt that. I'm like, that's not really radical, man. It's actually, to me, the opposite. I'm not saying that if, you need to go out into the world and, do- and and create something that's going to help galvanize um, the movements that have been happening and contribute. But, you know, you ain't going to galvanize shit if you did. Yeah, that's true. You know, and like health you know, is such an undervalued thing in our society. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even rebels took pauses. Even revolutionaries <laughs> said, you know what? We're not going to fight for this week. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to we're going to regroup and re-strategize. It's true. You know. And maybe yeah. we can end on that note. I think we should. <laughs> is there anything you want to is there any advice you can impart to these to the young, if you were going to give your 20 year old advice, 20 year old self advice, what would it be? Okay, I would say two things. I'm gonna have to do it two ways because I feel like my 20 year old self in 2000 is different than my 20 year old self will be in 2020. 
Mm. I feel like my 20-year-old self in 2000, I would have told myself that you're fine. It'll be okay. Just take the journey and don't be so hard on yourself. The 20, 20-year-old, if, uh, the 20 year old, if I was like 20 now, man, <laughs> I would say try to start investing less in what you think the business is because this thing doesn't it's it, it doesn't make any sense and it, you, you the minute you think you figured it out it's going to be something different that is sound advice you know you know yeah we had sonic bids and we had reverb nation and both of those now things we have are so like, far what? sounds so far sound now and then and like you say things like Reverb Nation at the time when it was around. It was like, oh, my God, Reverb Nation is a big deal. No one gives a fuck about Reverb Nation no more. <laughs> and it wasn't that long ago. If you think I on the know. grand scheme, like Sonic Biz was like not that long ago. Yeah. 2007. Yeah, Sonic Biz. Reverb Nation was like 2010, 2011. That's true. You're right. It was Sonic Biz first and then Reverb Nation. Yeah. And then, like, now no one cares, you know? Only a few of them, I think, have been able to really sustain. Like Spotify, Bandcamp seems like it's really sustained itself as something, you know. But other than that, I don't think these things are. No one cares. Right. Focus on the focus on your work. Focus on your focus on your art, you know, and what I would have told myself. Yeah. And like, I think find a way to create in a way that's pleasing that you that you feel like you're growing and you're contributing to your community and i know it's probably tougher for younger people because they're still like figuring out their community and growing their community but i would say you know just you know try to grow your community from a place of sharing and not like acquiring fans there you go ah to be 20 (laughs) Never again. Thank God. I am so happy to be turning 40. Yeah, good. We should talk about that next. Yes. 40. (laughs) 40. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. By the way, my mom loves your new moniker. Thank you. (laughs) Shout out to mom. mom. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace.